Welcome to TDAM Talks, a TD Asset Management Podcast. Join us for insights and analysis on current themes and capital markets from our thought leaders. From market insights to investment strategies, we'll help you navigate the complex landscape of investing. Good day, everyone. My name is Ingrid McIntosh here at TD Asset Management, or TDAM for short. We're recording this podcast early in February, that critical time of year when Canadians are making their RRSP contributions and investment selections. But more importantly, I like to think about it, they're taking those critical steps that can have a meaningful impact in their future financial health. So on the podcast today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Michael Craig, Head of Asset Allocation here at TD Asset Management, and Anna Castro, Managing Director and also a Senior Portfolio Manager on our Asset Allocation team. Michael and Anna and their teams are collectively responsible for over $100 billion in asset allocation strategies and decisions here at our organization. So as we are heading to this RSP deadline here in Canada, we want to have a conversation today about retirement and how we think about those long-term savings goals. So welcome, Michael and Anna. Hey, great. Hi Thanks there. for us. Okay, so I teed you up for a nice conversation about long-term investing, Michael, but our investors, first of all, are going to want to know what's happening here in this first part of 2024? What's going on in the markets? Uh, year to date, it's in many ways, it's been a continuation of where 2023 left off. Certainly the large cap U.S. growth companies have, have led returns. Things were a bit soggy to start the year, but since then, broad stock markets are, are in the green. Bond markets, again, started a little slow, but have started to rally uh, and somewhat unchanged. So it's been a pretty much a continuation. And, and, and our expectations for this year have been kind of high, high single digits for both bonds and equities. It's not not going to be without a bit of heartburn. There's always a bit of mar- uh, volatility in the market, but it's a year where I think base case we're setting up to uh, to have reasonably strong strong investment performance. And for our listeners, you know, who might have been watching the markets through 2023 and it didn't feel great, it actually turned out to be a pretty great year. Yeah. So when you look at a long term market returns, it tends to be somewhat benign, you know, high single digit numbers. But unfortunately, those returns don't come in a, in a unison manner. Uh, there are years when it can be quite quite challenging uh, returns don't come. And then there's years where you post, you know, 10, 20, 20, 30% in equities in some cases. So it's important to be invested through that whole period because to get that average, you know, seven, eight, nine percent return, you do need to be invested in periods where, where returns are quite a bit hotter. Um, last year was a perfect example where it, it, look, last March, it didn't feel very good. There was a couple of bank failures, but the year ended very, very strong. And, and broadly speaking, uh, global equity markets did to double digit returns. And so a year that it wasn't easy and never is, but but ultimately is it was the end result was very strong for equities and also very very strong for fixed income, which for much of the year was negative, and again finished at six to seven percent positive. So a uh, great year all around, but but definitely had to work for it to to get it. And for our listeners, we recently did a podcast on our fixed income strategies, and we talked really about that resetting of, of fixed income rates. But let's pivot a little bit here. And Anna, you know, we've heard this Yogi Berra quote often in some of the presentations we do with clients. You can observe a lot just by watching. So maybe talk a little bit about what we mean by that and, and um, specifically, you know, what's on everyone's mind, these concepts of inflation and growth. Thanks, Ingrid. And it's as simple as like being uh, students of history. So going back to, through time, many decades uh, prior to us, and if you look at what has gone through history, it's really uh, in buckets or debates, tug of war, seesaw of levels of growth and inflation. So um, if you look back from the early 2000s to 2010, 2020, we've had, uh, looking back, uh, a very, a, a less complex type of situation because it was mostly about the levels of economic growth and a concern on economic growth not being high enough. 
and inflation was kind of benign. And then in the past few years, especially after the onslaught of the pandemic and the response of governments and regulators, and also with that, unfortunately, geopolitical tensions around the world, all these dynamics led that seesaw or tug of war of levels of growth and inflation be a focus on a higher level of inflation, velocity and stickiness that we've ne- we haven't seen in many, many decades. And so this is the dynamic we've had, and which has also introduced the value of having different types of investment strategies as you put your portfolios together to manage through the path. And so when we think through that moving out in the next few years, as in this new decade that we have, we have a continuation of belief that this will be a continuous tug of war of levels of growth and inflation. It's important to have a broader set of toolkit to help manage that path to build your wealth. And the good thing is, in the past few months and entering this year, is we're seeing a shift down in the level of inflation. And the focus, again, is on the level of growth moving forward. And this is also the reason why, as Micah started off in this call, why equities and fixed income started to do better. Mm-hmm. Really, that punishing low-rate environment that we had for savers for so long, it was painful while it was correcting, but now we're actually in a much better place going forward. And I love the way you frame that, Anna, because you know when you were having a conversation today about retirement and building for your financial future and the variables that individuals have, or you know, what they save and what they invest in, because you can't control the markets, but you can really just do your best to make sure you're positioned um, for the long run. So, Michael, you know, because we're on this retirement theme, and this is something, you know, when people think about retirement, they don't think about market returns. They think about, will I have enough? And, you know, we recently had Tarek um, on a podcast, and he was speaking about the advancements in healthcare. And at the end of the day, like, people are just living longer, which means our retirement savings might have to go a little bit longer. Like, how do we think about that? And how does that impact the investment making, the investment decision making process? Yeah, quite often people look at markets from the very kind of where we now perspective and they worry about what might happen in the next three months, six months, et cetera. Should I invest now, yesterday, tomorrow? Right, right? exactly. Yeah. And, and ultimately, the biggest risk to investors is they don't have what they need when they need it. And the way mortality is, you know, we look at the mortality table, if we're going to talk about longevity. If you, if you live to 60, the likelihood of making it to 80 is actually quite high. And if you make it to 80, getting to 90, and you can see that as you, as you kind of you know, age and you kind of pass kind of critical po- points in time when, when you're more susceptible to disease, the likelihood of living longer is much, much higher. And I think most people don't envision themselves working uh, into their 80s. Uh, and so as soon as you stop working, you start drawing down your savings, drawing down your pension, the investment dynamics become much more complicated because you aren't constantly buying, you're not averaging into the market. So the investment strategies do need to evolve and, and are actually more complex. And this is for us, when we think about retirement, it's about providing a return stream that is, but where the volatility is managed because understanding people are drawing down, but can, can give higher returns that would otherwise get from, from you know, GICs, if you will. Um, so it's a, a challenging problem, but I think quite often the, the, the issue is the biggest risk to investors, particularly when they're thinking about retirement, is longevity. It is critical because you don't want to outlive your, um, it, it doesn't lead to great outcomes. And I think that's a really important point because we always say to folks, Invest in alignment with your risk appetite and your time horizon. That really affects your investment decision. But don't worry about the short term and the noise, because if you're not drawing that money out of your portfolio, it doesn't matter. If the market goes down, it doesn't matter. It comes back. 
But what you're saying is it's a fundamentally different story once you get to retirement and you're not really topping up the pot anymore, you're drawing it down. And you sure don't want to have a bad market event when you have to start drawing it down at the beginning, right? Simple example, imagine you had $100, you're spending $5 a year, you're trying to earn you know, a little bit more just to stay even. If you have an event where you have a drawdown of $20, $20 you're down to 80, you're still pulling down five bucks. Now as a percentage of your wealth, you've gone from, from 5% to, to seven. Uh, and that, that's an example. And it's very, very hard to make back that, that, that deficit. And if you start looking at the math, you know, down 20, up 20, you're actually net, net behind where you started. And so that the compounding doesn't work in your favor when you start drawing down. So again, it's really critical to manage not only uh, portfolios that can earn capital gains, but can are, are managed in such a way that the, that path is is a bit more stable than otherwise would be in, in outright equities. Yeah, and I think we're going to talk a bit a bit more about that in a moment and how we actually do that. But you know, and you and I, we always talk about you know the difference between time in the market and timing in the market. And for our listeners, you talk a little bit more about that importance of the investment plan and maybe even working with an advisor to keep you on that disciplined path. Sure, and even tying it off to what how Mike started off talking about how. GIC levels right now are more attractive than they were before because of higher rates. But these is like in the short term, some place to park your money, but really not to think through um, investment in the long term. And to your point, Ingrid, you had a question. It's almost like I think when we think through it's New Year, New Year's resolution, everyone's thinking about their health. And I like to use this analogy, like thinking about financial wellness and health wellness and having a plan. And it's so important to think about the long term goal of being healthier and sustaining that level of health and building towards that, which means that it's not about what you eat or how you exercise or how you, and knowing that there are so many temptations along the way and bad days and good days. And that's almost similar to how it is in the market and timing in the market. The key thing here is thinking through what do you need and what is your own goal that resonates with you in terms of the value and purpose of building that wealth. Because markets can go up and down, and unless you think you need that money tomorrow or the world is totally changing or ending and you need that cash or immediately, the key thing is thinking about how do you invest for the future. And I think people will relate to what Warren Buffett has done through the years, wherein he's gone through difficult market cycles, and he's had companies that talked about difficult operating environments and crises, but he never sold everything and went to cash. So I think it's all about perspective, and it's important to have a trusted advisor to guide you through that for a different perspective, because it can be very emotionally uh, draining being so uh, plugged into the markets, especially with all the social media and immediate news that's around you. Well, it's interesting because I think if people don't understand or investing or they think it's complex and, and, and they have concerns about it, they will, I'll just put that off, right? And I think, you know, the longer that people either are don't invest or don't invest enough or take enough risk, they're really giving up on two of the most powerful tools like diversification and time, right? Like those are the magic secret weapons. And, and um, if folks start thinking about that or thinking about deferring, they're really giving something up. And as you've often said, you know, Warren Buffett made most of his wealth quite late in life, but it is that power of consistency and compounding um, over time. And, and for retirees, you know, when you are out of the market, you are increasing the likelihood that you're going to run out of money. Right, so this is there is a real world cost here, where if you aren't proactive, um, you end up increasing that longevity risk, and, and that's what has to be managed. I mean, and it's actually not when you have time on your side and you start thinking about these things in advance, it can be managed. We can actually engineer ways where that risk is minimized, if not, and, and ultimately we start talking then about legacy and 
what you might going to pass on or, or donate to. And that's a much more, you know, a much more enjoyable conversation. So, so these are things that I think it's, we talk about it, but it's, it's the critical thing that to do is to take, get on top of it right now. Like you don't want to, don't want to wait on these things um, because time is your, is your greatest ally. Well, I'm going to pivot a little bit further on that one. I want to sort of double down on this one, Michael, because as we talked about, like the last couple of years, you know, up until the last half quarter of last year have been quite painful, right? It's been a lot of volatility. There's been negative return in fixed income as we've reset um, to a more normalized interest rate environment. And people have a natural fear and they have a pain threshold that they can't sustain. And what we've seen, like we, I haven't seen in my 35-year career, has been this huge rush to cash, right? We've looked at negative returns, backward-looking in markets, and we've looked at appealing yields on, you know, short-term cash instruments like GICs. And we've seen a tremendous taking cover, if you will, in GIC. So can we talk a little bit about this? Because this is the one that keeps me up at night in terms of people being able to reach their financial futures. Well, just to start off, last year as GIC rates started to go higher, when we think across the strategies we run, conservative, aggressive, retirement, everything we managed outperformed cash last year, outperformed GICs. And 2022 was really the first year that GICs outperformed broad markets. Um, but that remember, at the beginning of 2022, GICs were earning you, you know, de minimis interest rates, so no one was, was positioned for it. Now, as they earn higher rates, they become more attractive. But that also was reflected in financial assets. And you actually have to really work at it to go back in time to pick, look, look for periods where GICs actually provide higher returns than fixed income or equities or a combination of the two. And I think it's critical to think back. It's, like, you know, it's almost like um, batting averages. It's, you know, you're looking at north of 90% in terms of years where GICs actually provide a better return than capital market returns, whether it be fixed income alternatives or, or equity. And then the, to top it all off, the tax implications of GICs are actually quite outside of a RIF or RSP. If you're in a taxable account in GIC, you are paying the highest marginal rate on that return. So right away, if you know a 4% GIC at 30% tax rate, now you knock it down to a sub 3%. So there's also a tax implication. So there's a place for GICs, but in terms of long-term investment returns, it's a, it's a pretty small piece, uh, if you will. It's really there for liquidity and cash needs. And again, I'll ask you the question, but the market's moved so much now in 2023, shouldn't I wait for a pullback? Yeah. So this is, you know, this is where it all depends on your horizon. Yes. Over the last three months, there's been a pretty strong rally, but in the Q, Q3 of 2023, stocks sold off 10% and bonds are off six. So in many ways, we just kind of made back what we lost in Q3 plus some. And then on a longer term view, the stock markets are only now recouping losses from the original drawdown of 2022. So the seventh largest, longest period of time where stocks hadn't made new highs. And so we're really just getting back to where we were two years ago, except valuations are far more attractive on equities. In fixed income, yields are materially higher than implied levels of inflation going forward. So when you look at what the market thinks inflation is going to average over five years, the market's giving you two, two and a half percent more yield than what those are. This is as high as it's been outside of a few kind of moments in October where bonds got really cheap, this is as high as it's been as, as since Anne and I have been working and, and we've been doing this for a while. So again, on, on, on both markets, short term, yeah, maybe there's some, there's some, a bit of, uh, you know, uh, it's moved a lot, but on a, on a kind of a medium term basis, it's kind of ho-hum. There's, it's not, the, it's not the cheapest market I've ever seen, but it's by no means expensive. And the point is moot because you're in it for the long game and, you know, 10 years from now, it'll be higher. Yeah, I was, I, it actually was, I, I was thinking about your talking to Ingrid, I was kind of thinking about this. So I actually just ran this little, little test. If I actually invested over the last 10 years, if I just invested what I kind of earned and say I earned $10 a week and just pick the low points along the way, like every sell-off, 
And then I compare that with just investing that $10 every week. I'm kind of indifferent. So even if you were perfectly and timing- And you're a professional. Yeah. Even if you perfectly timed every market sell-off and as you saved your money, you invested at that point, it doesn't really get you that farther ahead at the end anyway. So it's, it's questionable whether, you know, you know, as much as we think about whoever wants to buy, you know, the best price ever, it's questionable whether that strategy even works versus just the mechanical invest as you, you know, average in, et cetera, and, and, and go with that route. So this is over the last 10 years. I thought it was kind of interesting, but, but it's something to consider. We, sometimes, again, we're focused on the wrong things. Uh, it's really about time and time in the market versus trying to, trying to catch the, the lows. Yeah. And I think I want to pivot the conversation a little bit because um, you know, we've been talking about longevity. We've been talking about the markets. We've been talking about the importance of, of being invested and investing for the long term. But, you know, earlier in the podcast, you talked about this concept of longevity and a differentiated investment experience. Once you hit that that moment where you go from accumulating in your savings and investing to decumulating. And TD offers a strategy. We've just had our 10-year anniversary, the TD Retirement Portfolios. And for our listeners, and typically when, um, you know, you're on your investing journey, your advisor might ask you, what's your time horizon? What's your risk profile? And, and, and that will help indicate so what a mix of, of income and growth that you want in your portfolio. And generally speaking, as investors get closer to retirement, they, they reduce that, that equity or income part or growth part of their portfolio, and they start de-risking a little bit. But now we're talking about what do you do when you actually hit that retirement moment? Can you, Anna, explain what's different about the retirement portfolios from a traditional uh, asset allocation strategy? So typically, as people enter the retirement stage, the traditional setup would be adding more fixed income into their asset mix. Mm -hmm. De-risking. De-risking, yes. And and the goal of the retirement portfolios, the retirement solutions, is really to look for different sources of income growth, stability, and diversification while offering a similar volatility to fixed income. So what's different with uh, retirement solutions are these portfolios are different multi-asset class. So it has uh, fixed income and protected equities, as well as um, real assets. So different sources of return, wherein our goal is to have growing sources of income at different types of market cycles, as well as lower downside or lower loss than equities in a smoother path as you work towards and shift from accumulating assets to decumulating our retirement because we understand that retirees are more sensitive to uh, sell-offs, market sell-offs. Right. And, and as you say, you could have two portfolios with a similar overall return, let's say over 10 years. But as a retiree, when you're drawing out of that portfolio, those moments of drawdown hurt you because you can't recover that money you've taken out. And I think I think that's sort of the the magic message that you're that you're saying here when you focus a little bit more here on the minimizing the downside because people are taking their money out. So that's that's a great discussion. And Thank also you. being very nimble and thoughtful through our asset allocation team and looking for sources of that income growth. So 10 years ago, the concern was that GICs, the level, because we talked about lower rates. Forever. Uh, yeah. Yes. Lower. <laughs> there were lower sources of, uh, there were less source of income from fixed income. So the goal was how do you improve your sources of income? when fixed income was not enough, but still not take too much equity type of risk or For the volatility, yeah. Exactly, volatility. But now, like here where we are right now, we can have both. There are growing sources of returns from equity, from dividends for high quality stocks, through protected equities, us using innovative strategies such as derivatives. But more importantly, as we enter into a stage wherein 
we've had higher rates, which felt painful in the short term last year, it sets up um, an opportunity set also for investors to participate and lock in those higher income returns from fixed income. And these solutions are able to nimbly adjust to where those opportunities arise. And I really do think it's such an important message when you think about as an asset allocation team, not just what you do, but the types of solutions that you offer. They're designed for people at different stages of the accumulation journey and really engineered for managing the retirement portfolios in particular, that decumulation uh, stage of the journey. Thank you so much for sharing that. Typically at this point, I always love to pivot to a rapid fire and put you on the spot with, you know, some some big macro theme. But I think in the steer, spirit of, you know, where we are in RSP season, could each of you share a story that, you know, have you experienced in your life, in your family, with a client or an advisor you spoke to that really speaks to the power of, of thinking about your retirement? Yeah. I mean, a, a few years ago, part of what we do, Anne and I, do, you know, we're fixated on the markets every day. We're trying to make the best decisions we can, think about where the, where the opportunities and risks lie. And we want to always do that on behalf of our clients. You know, we don't want our clients worrying about these things. We want them to, to live their lives and, and deal with whether their jobs, work, family, et cetera. And, and a few years ago, we had a, you know, a really nice note from a client. They were going through cancer treatment and, you know, they, they worked out, they recovered and it was, was, but they said, I'm going through a really hard time in my life right now. And I'm just really happy. I don't have to worry about my, my finances and, and was able to really focus on getting better versus having to go through this and also worry about their financial well-being. So those are the kinds of things that, you know, they, you know, this is where we, you know, gets us really excited in the morning when, when we know that we're making a positive impact and that not our clients are in different parts of life and are dealing with different things, but, but ideally they're not having to worry or, 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 you know, be upset about what's going on in the markets because we're able to deliver on those, those principles that Anna mentioned, you know, stability, growth, and, and diversification. So th those are things that, you know, I think for Hannah and I really make it really worthwhile in what we do. And so for me, it's not just an intellectual challenge, but a personal passion, because when I shifted into and joined um, investment management, um, I really felt strongly about a fiduciary managing other people's money. And I saw that very clearly in the lives of my relatives. So this was during the Asian financial crisis going back decades ago in the tech bubble. And you really saw across all over the world, asset prices getting crushed and how do why it matters to really think through having a plan and sticking to that plan and managing through that emotional moment to stay invested because I saw that impact on people's lives, not just that's why we talk about financial health, it's also physical and mental health and has a multi-generational impact on the quality of people's lives. So I think that's why it's so important to have that perspective, have that plan and that knowledge and the tools to help manage through market cycles, which are normal, which can happen, but how can you be ready for building that future that you have wanted for yourselves and your family? Yeah, we're not really money managers. We're the, we're the stewards of people's futures to the best ability that we're given the the privilege of doing so. And, you know, I think through, you know, presentations we do recently to our advisors and our planners as they're really ramping up our RSP season and helping them understand you're not just offering an investment product, you're offering a better financial future. Anna, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. And to our listeners, thanks so much for joining us. Have a terrific February. Have a terrific RSP season. And if you're listening today, think about your future self and make those investments. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. The information contained herein is for information purposes only. The information has been drawn from sources believed to be reliable. 
The information does not provide financial, legal, tax, or investment advice. Particular investment tax or trading strategies should be evaluated relative to each individual's objectives and risk tolerance. This material is not an offer to any person in any jurisdiction where unlawful or unauthorized. These materials have not been reviewed by and are not registered with any securities or other regulatory authority in jurisdictions where we operate. Any general discussion or opinions contained within these materials regarding securities or market conditions represents our view or the view of the source cited. Unless otherwise indicated, such view is of the date noted and is subject to change. Information about the portfolio holdings, asset allocation, or diversification is historical and is subject to change. This document may contain forward-looking statements or FLS. FLS reflect current expectations and projections about future events and or outcomes based on data currently available. This document may contain forward-looking statements or FLS. FLS reflect current expectations and projections about future events and or outcomes based on data currently available. Such expectations and projections may be incorrect in the future as events which were not anticipated or considered in their formulation may occur and lead to results that differ materially from those expressed or implied. FLS are not guarantees of future performance and reliance on FLS should be avoided. TD Global Investment Solutions represents TD Asset Management Inc. and Epic Investment Park Inc. Both entities are affiliates and wholly owned subsidiaries of the Toronto Dominion Bank.